that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, joined today by two of the incredible women who make our show what it is. First of all, we have our associate producer, Ms. Stephanie Longo, coming to us from Dunmore, PA, one of the Keystone State's most Italian towns. And, of course, the co-founder of the Italian American Podcast, my pal, Ms. Dolores Alfieri Taranto. We're here today with a very special guest, someone who has been on the show many, many moons ago before I was even involved with it, and who has done so much in the Italian-American community. You probably know him. He is the dreamer and doer behind Italian Enclaves, which is a an amazing catalog of Italian-American life that we're going to talk about on today's show. He's really an Italian-American superstar, done so much for the community. Ray Guarini wears many Italian hats, but most importantly for us, he is simply our pal Ray. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down with him hearing about some of the awesome developments going on at Italian Enclaves right now. It's really grown since the last time he was here all the way back in the beginning, and I think it's going to be a really fun episode. And uh, guys, it's really good to be together. It is Ash Wednesday. Uh, This is going to air afterwards, but I hope you're all having a peaceful Ash Wednesday. It's nice to be together like this. Yeah, it is. It's um, evening, and we don't do too many recordings in the evening because we tend to be just shot (laughs) by this time of the day. All the work you do, plus children, uh, you know, businesses and stuff. But um, anything for Ray. He's an old friend of all of ours. So thank you guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, of course. It's easy when it's casual, friendly talk. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, oh, totally. I can jump on. Uh, I'd like we're looking. I'm looking at the squares here of everybody in Zoom, all these good Italian Catholics with our ashes. Yes, that's right. (laughs) I don't know why the priests went to town on me. Yeah, sure did. I have a particularly... (laughs) That's a big I, cross. I, we were walking out of the church and Drew's like, my husband, he's like, your, your ashes are subtle. I'm like, <laughs> it's so sarcasm, isn't it? He's like, <laughs> I, I can't see them, right? And then mm. I get home and I'm like, wow. I'm like, he must know I really need it. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? We, we all do at this stage. I got a Q-tip. A Q-tip? Yeah, a Q-tip. Indoors, look at this. This is like a crosshair. You yeah, yours is I, very mm-hmm. crucifix-like. Yeah. So th- there's a trick to it. There's a trick to it. So the priest used a Q-tip. I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, I had a Q-tip so too. It came mm-hmm. out perfectly. Oh. Everyone thought I just drew it on myself, you know. But. Yeah, it looks like it. I'm assuming this is a new COVID regulation, the Q-tip uh, in lieu oh. of the, yeah. I had a gloved hand. Another interesting option. Okay, mm. and John, this is probably a question for you. Why did they not say to me, uh, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return? I don't know. They should have. Was something yeah. changed? Or is it just no. my no, price? I, that's what no. they said today and all day. Okay. They said be faithful. Be faithful and return to the gospel at ours. Yeah, or something yeah. like a repent. Repent yeah. and uh, turn, yeah, repent. turn to the gospel. And I'm yeah. my favorite part of Ash Wednesday I mean, this may be terrible, but the reason I go is because I want to hear that line. It's just the most poetic line. Welcome to the modern Catholic church where you make it up as you go along. (laughs) I'm like, this is not this like deep, powerful moment where, you know, a priest is putting ashes on my head and telling me that I'm dust and I'm going to return to it. Was it a priest, Dolores? It was. I actually did have a priest. Yeah. But I, that line, I was a little bummed. I have to say it's the first year ever that I've encountered that and i didn't know if they'd made some new change at this point it wouldn't surprise me if they did 
at my church, they gave us envelopes. So if there was somebody that could not make Ash Wednesday service, they gave you an envelope full of blessed ashes with instructions on how to put them on someone's forehead and what to say. So my mom wasn't feeling too well. So I got her one and I got one for the lady across the street. But then I thought to myself, this doesn't really feel as religious as it should be because I was always brought up that you get yourself to church on Ash Wednesday and get your ashes. Yeah. Right. I felt funny yeah. having them in an envelope. And now I have extra stash of ashes in the envelope because so, do I. so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's so crazy. Do I. I have a stash. Those are going in a time capsule. And like yes. one day they're going to get revealed and all stories going to get told about. <laughs> this is the state of the Catholic church, the state of culture right now. The state, like I think so much of what we're going through with the, pandemic and just you know the boom in technology and remote work and remote this and virtual that is like people are sort of redefining what it means to be engaged with anything right so whether you come in for ashes and drag yourself out of your deathbed to get them more now you get them in a takeaway envelope like a pack of chiclets you know what i mean like a (laughs) it's like everything is being redefined and i you know i'm an old school person i think all of us here on this call are old school people and Sometimes it's hard to deal with the idea that you don't have those touchstone rituals that feel exactly as they did. Yeah, that's not what the faith is all about, but those rituals do give you a sense of continuity. That's why Dolores is thrown off by not hearing the same thing you've heard for, I won't give a number, but many, many years. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not saying. (laughs) John, to borrow a term from real estate, it's it's like the real estate term, uh, we're going through a transition. Right? It's like a transitional neighborhood. Yes. So the whole world is in yeah. transition, and so are our traditions, unfortunately. No, I mean, and, you know, we, we talk about that a lot. I mean, that's one of the things I think, Dolores, you and I connected on immediately in our friendship and then our work relationship the first time we met was this idea that, like, we're not into the idea of preservation and ossification. We, we do want things to evolve forward, you know, and you can't lose sight of the sacred for the profane, but you do have to, like, where where is where is the idea that something has evolved versus something has completely changed when when yeah. is the you know when are, when do you lose the sacred and that's right that's in everything that we talk about which be at the church that those of us who are faithful practitioners go to or the neighborhoods that we live in and it's a perfect conversation for ray being here today because for those of you who don't know ray is uh not only the author of New York City's Italian Neighborhoods, a book available now and one that I own in my collection, fantastic work, but he's also the founder, creator, and director of Italian Enclaves and the Italian Enclaves Historical Society, which is doing some really amazing work in not, I don't want to say preserving, because preserving is the wrong word, but presenting and revealing the massive Italian footprint that has been throughout this country. And uh, yeah, right, that's got to be basically, you know, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, that, you said it perfectly. And thank you so much for having me on, uh, John, Dolores, uh, Stephanie. It's always a pleasure to hang out and talk to you guys. Thank God you don't have smell vision because in my Lenten meal tonight, you know, we had some seafood salad with tons of garlic. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's always a pleasure. So we we uh, you know, we have a lot going on. So we started off when I first was on. It was a social media page and it was featuring Italian neighborhoods. And then there was a shop that I set up online whose purpose was to, you know, I guess the proceeds of, of the shop were to go towards my travels and building the website and everything else. And then it just dawned on me that uh, after speaking to somebody that works with the Italian American Baseball Foundation, why don't you just do a nonprofit? So it just that was a no brainer. And we evolved 
uh, as you just mentioned before, evolution. And so we evolved into a nonprofit and it makes so much more sense. And since then, we were able to bring in so many people, um, especially just recently, whereby we're, you know, we've grown leaps and bounds. We have over a dozen people now uh, between board members and interns. and We're doing tons and tons of research. It's just a hell of a lot of fun because if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. I mean, this is really a passion project ultimately. So we all share that disease as Dolores, <laughs> Dolores wrote it once. If our passion for our Italian heritage is a disease, we all share it, you know, and everybody's infected by it because it's something that is not necessarily always the most rewarding thing. And you do deal with sometimes a sense of mourning and disappointment and, and how you handle this evolution or this change and these kind of topics that we're talking about. I mean, Ray, your whole project in Italian Enclave started as a social media platform, like you say, driven by photographs, right? Driven by images. Right. And when you started, I'm assuming it was you taking those images. Yeah. Yeah. And how has the collection grown? What It started out as what and what has it grown into today? Thanks for asking. So, John, first, before we even get to that, I just want to say thank you to you again and Dolores, because the reason why I felt confident enough to push forward with Italian Encl- the Italian Enclaves Historical Society, with the social media, was the validation from you and, and Dolores and Anthony uh, by having me on the podcast originally, and then the invitation to go to the NEAF conference and sit on the panel with Dolores, yourself, uh, Rosella Rago, uh, Anthony, and um, I, I think there were a couple of other people who share our disease. Yeah, and so were. that was a turning point where I just said, okay, this is something real. And because of that confidence you gave me, you know, we were able to, to launch off that and just, you know, and, and it catapulted from there. So I started going to all the Italian neighbors in America, just sitting around one day with a buddy of mine talking about places that we missed that weren't there anymore, kind of nostalgic conversation. And then we decided, you know, well, I mentioned, I wonder if there are other Italian neighborhoods, you know, that are still there with the status of these neighborhoods. And so we just hop in a car and we drove up to Boston on the way there. We stopped in New Haven, Connecticut. And then from there it became addictive to the point where I had a, it was like an obsessive compulsive thing where I was like, all right, I have to find all these places because this is so cool. And it was only cool because when you go there, the people are so warm and friendly and welcoming that it's like, who wouldn't want to do this all the time? Absolutely. And it was just, and from there it just burgeoned. And um, I I built a collection of photos, still photographs, mostly inanimate things, uh, businesses and churches and uh, neighborhood character. Uh, whether that's like a house with a Blessed Mother statue or St. Anthony statue or Italian flag. And then, you know, just it, it, the archive I have is huge. And, you know, w- one of the challenges was then now transposing that onto one single platform. Social media is pretty easy because, you know, on, on Instagram, you could cross pollinate it to Facebook and everywhere else with just one post. But that's not in and of itself, you know, an archive. So the the you know, I was naive. I thought creating an archive would be easy. And so when I set up the website, you know, we did it with WordPress and, you know, the challenges started to really unfold there where, you know, I didn't know WordPress. And so there were a lot of different little skill sets that I didn't possess at that time that I needed to acquire and then also sub out to other people that are good at that. And, and that's when the organization needed to, to really start to, to take form. So the Instagram page is kind of now, well, the contents on the Instagram page has kind of leapt off and now is in book form. Some of it. So the, the, the book was just um, 
uh, New York. So there was New York City's Italian neighbors. And frankly, you know, there wasn't enough room in the book through Arcadia Publishing. So we had to leave some places out. Mm. But the website, you know, the ItalianEnclaves.org, is where we're showcasing all of the original and, and current Italian neighborhoods. So, for example, like we have places that have come and gone you know, over the last 150 years, but we're trying to just identify them in our master list. So right now we're up to about 272. I found out about a place today, uh, incidentally, um, East Elmhurst, Queens. I had no idea that was a little Italian neighborhood, just a few blocks by a few blocks, but nevertheless, it constitutes an Italian enclave. It's, you know, it's an enclave. So, you know, this unveils so many places in the South, the Midwest, uh, the West Coast in California, Seattle, um, or Washington state. And so we, you know, we, we archive them all. We have a list of all the places that we could identify that have been Italian neighborhoods, you know, whether or not they've been demolished and removed, or if they're still there, like for example, Williamsburg and Brooklyn, which is still there. Um, and, and what we try to do is where possible, put current photographs of the neighborhoods and vintage photographs of those same neighborhoods. So like before or after, if you would. And that's that's the extent of it. I mean, that, it's, so it's, it's a finite piece of work, really, is what it is. It's finite because there's only so many neighborhoods. There's going to be only so many photographs we could draw up on. And then it stops, sort of stops there in terms of the goal. Um, but then, of course, you know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of photos. Ultimately, you can't possibly share that all in one year on social media. So it's a, it's a dense archive. So our goal is to just drive people through social media to the website where they can see those neighborhoods and the photographs of those neighborhoods and it's nostalgia right i have to say what you've done just for the local historians for any kind of an italian enclave myself speaking for northeast pa you've been able to create a network for all of us as well through the italian enclaves historical society because we're able through you now to be able to discuss what issues we're facing when we're trying to find these archival images or where we can go for these type of things. And that's something that we haven't had before. You know, you would usually be an island on your own trying to research all of this information and pray to God that someone had it. Right. And here you are, you're actually able to make a nice network for people. And I've gotten people connected with me for Scranton things based off of a connection that you've made. And I've been able to help people with some things outside of my area because you said, well, hey, she's from Pennsylvania. She might be able to help you with this. It's a wonderful way for all of us to network and to learn more and to actually see what makes all of these Italian neighborhoods similar rather than different. I thought Northeast PA was its own place and with its own character, and it does have that, right. but I didn't realize how similar the experiences were to some of these other enclaves. I think you've done an amazing job with this. Thank you, Stephanie. Let me tell you yeah. again, like I, like I said before, it really wouldn't have been possible unless I had that original vote of confidence from all of you guys, John and Dolores. And, and you know, so, but it's funny you mentioned that. We were connected with somebody who I think recently was probably the best human equity ad we could ever have. Dominique Sessa from uh, Italo-American Im Imagery. We connect because of your podcast yep. and you guys referenced my work to her. And since then, we've been able to align with what our missions are and, and overlap that. So that is just, that's, and the whole thing is just the power of social media altogether, because otherwise I don't think we would all know each other whatsoever. And like you said, yeah. we'd all be islands unto ourselves. Yeah. So it, it's really pretty extraordinary. It really has. I always say like social has, it's, it's just like it's evil. And then also it has all these wonderful things that it does. Yeah. I, I make so many friends just 
by finding people on social and then you connect and, you know, they'll come on the show or, or my other podcast, Bella Figura. And then like, it just evolves from there and you make connections. So it's like, you have to live with the dark and the light, like anything else. Right. I think about that a lot. Cause I, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm a super nerd and I'm into all nerdy stuff and nerd stuff is great to collect around, you know, because it's this sort of secret language tribe, but you're, you know, star Wars or, uh, wrestling or uh, superheroes, any stuff that I grew up really into. And, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, in order to access that tribe, you would go to conventions. You know, you go to the comic book convention or the whatever it was. And uh, you'd go to the movies and you'd go get in line, you'd wait, and you'd be talking to people that were obviously passionate about the same thing you were. And it always felt great. You know, you'd exchange trivia and you'd what was what was new, what was the rumor, what was coming, and that sort of chance to bathe in that pool of your passion was an event-driven thing. And when I was a teenager, that's how I found the National Italian American Foundation because for me, it was like an Italian American convention going to what used to be a, a much bigger gala weekend. And so social media allows us to find our tribe on a daily basis and check in with them and you know yeah. interact and get to know each other. And then hopefully, which is why I asked all of us to sit on that panel when I was at NIAF, you can then retranslate that into the living world and, and, and into your actual life and, you know, utilize this to cast a wider net and include more people that you share this interest and passion with. And that's kind of the basis of all of this, I think, that everybody's doing is how do you, you know, bring it back a little bit into your everyday. And I know, Ray, you're doing tours now, right? You, you're starting off with so, tours and things yeah. like that. Thanks, John. You know, we're it's so you can't do a tour in New York unless you have a tour guide license. So oh, we're not going to be in any which way doing tours on a constant basis, but we are doing one event that we really wanted it to be um, sooner than it is. It's going to be on April 30th in little Italy. Um, the reason we're doing it is so that we can bring folks to little Italy right. and, and really shed light on the businesses that are there. Good. And uh, they've been hard hit. Yeah. There's no question. We saw some really monumental closings like Angelo's on Mulberry street and so forth. So, that really warrants folks that have the ability to harness social media, whatever other way you can showcase these places to do so and get there and participate, you know, uh, give them business, share this stuff on social media. So that people are aware that little Italy is thriving. It's, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of people like to forsake things before they're gone and then they're gone and then they, they cry about it. So, but like yeah. they were, you know, they were yeah. part of the whole destruction of it by, by, you know, forsaking it. So, we want to unwind that, especially with Little Italy. So that's that's the purpose. So we're going to have folks meet at the Most Precious Blood Church, which, John, as you know, is a, an incredible beacon of Italian-American Catholic culture. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going to have Stephen LaRocca of the St. Rocco Society with us um, explaining some of the statues and some of the significance of the artwork in the church. From there, we're going to you kind of meander along uh, Mulberry Street and compare some of the buildings, uh, the way they once looked in like the 1940 tax photos, for example, and, and what they are now hmm. and allow everyone to just, you know, pop into places and do some shopping with some discounts through our uh, partnerships with E. Rossi uh, and company, Ernie Rossi shop on Grand and Mulberry, and then across the street, uh, Oliva Dairy. And um, uh, finally, we're going to uh, have some appetizers and some, and some vino at uh, Lunella restaurant. We don't know if this is going to be something we do again. We just want it to be at least something robust 
uh, as a one-time, a one-off, and then that way folks could know about it, and and hopefully it, it just revitalizes the area. So that's the that's the game plan. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it does. And get people together, you know. And that's the thing too. It's like finally some normalcy and being with with your brethren and and you know having some camaraderie without masks. So that yeah, you know, we're looking forward to that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, since we created this Greetings from Italian America series on YouTube, Pat, Rosella, and I have been traveling to as many Little Italy's as we can. And I found that the opportunity to go to these places is made all the better by doing it with like-minded people, doing it with friends, or even people that you're meeting for the first time. It's, you know, these neighbors, and that's why it was so difficult during COVID. You know, there were people who kept saying to us, like, well, you know, you can get back out on the road and record here, and you can, but these neighborhoods, these enclaves, they're social ecosystems, and when people aren't out, they're not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, it's, you know, right. it's not just going to a store, and here's the store, here's the restaurant. You, right. you, you need the people there, and yep. it makes the world a difference. It's not the same wearing a mask either because you can't talk to people like you normally do. And it's not, it's just, Uh, it's very different, you know, like meeting and talking to people is difficult enough, but it's true. I remember, (laughs) yeah, you know, we went to, um, there's a, like an Anthony's coal fired pizza. If you guys know that restaurant, if it's a two suburban thing, maybe, but it's like one of the restaurants, like a local place you can easily go to. And I went recently with my uh, sister and my brother-in-law and Angelo and Drew was out of town and it was so busy. And I was like, this is great. Like, this feels great to be here with all these people. Right. And I rem- I was telling them that I remember for like a brief moment when they like you, I don't know, you could leave your house again or restaurants could open again or mm-hmm. something like that. But there were all these regulations. Drew and I went there and the it was like, you know, every other table had to be empty and the chairs were all up against the bar because for a while and in like Jersey, uh, we go over the border. You couldn't sit at the bar. Long story short, we looked at each other and we were like, this is not even worth it. This is, this is not even worth it. We just won't go out anymore. And we didn't, we didn't for forever. It just, it's not, it's not the same. I'd rather just wait. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't blame. I mean, that's, it, it's like, you know, the feasts coming back and things like that, you know, we've been yeah. waiting and waiting and, you know, some of them have come back when there were dips and everything and people could go out again but right. it's nice to see i mean you know i'm gearing up for st joseph's day weekend uh in new orleans in a couple of weeks and you know two years ago to the day we were on the ground filming when all of a sudden everything got canceled and you know yep. i can see the impact that that gap of two years has on a lot of these feasts and processions and festivals and things like that it's nice to see them coming back and you know i think People are appreciative of the fact that these opportunities in their are in their lives, and I hope maybe people that weren't necessarily participating or you know when every couple of years, I hope that they'll sort of throw themselves back in with enthusiasm and we'll yeah. start to see more and more oh yeah mm-hmm. I hope you're right. I really think you're go I think you're right, and I think you're onto something yeah if the resolve of our people 
as far as going back to their traditions, if it's as much as I think it is or as significant as I think it is, then we're going to definitely see something amazing happen this year. God willing, you know, yeah. record numbers of people attending, you know, church or mass or processions for San Gennaro. And we, for example, St. Rocco, we didn't really we didn't stop. We didn't pause. So th that society has had no pauses whatsoever in the procession that's been held since uh, I believe it's its inception was uh, 1886. So wow. um, we, we ended up in during COVID. We had we had the procession. We even had we had a mask. We were very lucky. And then last year was a hurricane on the Feast right. of St. That's right. Yeah. So John Napoli and I have photos and, and uh, John's carrying a lot of other folks are carrying, you know, members of the society, the saint statue throughout Manhattan. We had to cover them in plastic, but we had it nevertheless. And so that I think that is uh, indicative of of our uh, love for our culture. And, and if that's the case, then we're going to have, you know, next couple of years are going to be pretty, pretty amazing in a very yeah. good way. So I, I think that that's I think you're right. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of interest from people in, in things that they didn't realize they were taken for granted, you know. And uh, I know for me, just, you know, going back to San Gennaro this year, we did a float in the parade for the show and uh, you know, I got to hang out with Dolores, Pat, Rosella and drew and the baby were there. We had a, we had a great day. Yeah, it was, it was, just, nice it was day. so nice. Yeah. Run into friends on the street and yeah, you know, that's, that's to me what makes my t-shirts. We don't need. <laughs> yeah, buy more t -shirts. <laughs> Let me tell you, Dolores and I, I was helping Ernie Rossi and I pulled some 1970s sweaters out of his, uh, of like a, a box in the corner of the store they were never opened. They were still in plastic bags, but Dolores and I have them, and they're like super deep V cuts, so they're probably better for the ladies right now. But I had to have one just to preserve it. It's <laughs> right. really uh, I like know. don't wear mine because I'm scared it's going to get ruined. That's how much I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm sure there's another box in Ernie's basement somewhere. We got to just track it down. But that, that's a time capsule in and of itself. But this is what it's all about. It's about getting back and yeah, being exactly. involved, in these being things together, and, you know, and then and then eating together and but you know what this was a blessing in disguise for some people in so many different ways yeah uh like you had said you could really appreciate things that you normally wouldn't you know we take for granted but also i think we were able to do a lot never mm -hmm. despite the fact we couldn't be together like right now for example like this is awesome we're on a zoom i mean this technology in and of itself allows things that you know 20 years ago weren't weren't possible whatsoever like star trek you know and then yeah the other thing it's like you know, we were able to really get some stuff done. We were able to get some work done, not commuting to work sure. every day. So you had a little extra time. Yeah. I think it also brought people closer to family members that they, you know, ordinarily wouldn't have had a chance to see it very often. I know it was, you know, a blessing for me. I had to spend a lot more time with my mother and um, other family members that I normally wouldn't be able to spend the time. So I'm, I'm too busy working, whatever. More time with my son. So I looked at the silver, I look at it like there was some silver linings and we learned from it. Yeah. And it just, you know, we came out the other end better, stronger. And uh, whatever you were able to accomplish during that, think about it. You could probably do 10 times more now moving forward. So definitely positive. It's something that Pat often talks about, uh, always conspicuous by his absence, the notorious P.O.B. But um, <laughs> he, he talks about the idea of what makes these neighborhoods or what always made them. And, you know, most Italian enclaves, although they're obviously different around the country, many of them that we think of in the East Coast, they're not clearly not the wealthiest part of a city. And right. what made the neighborhoods was the fact that 
you lived so close to people oftentimes from your extended kinship group and your village in Italy or, you know, distant family and multiple generations in a house. So the pace of your life allowed for so much more time because you, you know, you could usually often commute to work by walking in, in so many cases, you know, people did business, conducted business in the neighborhoods. They worked at jobs in and around them. And, you know, you had more downtime in the evening. You didn't have technology competing. You could stop by your cousins for coffee and, you know, your family would be outside together and, it's nice to maybe have the excuse to go back to some of those things now. And I do think people are focusing on the fact that, yeah, sometimes you don't need that hour-long commute. You can do stuff from home, and you can still have time for the coffee with your family in the evening and, you know, bring company cake over and get some time together. That's I hope that stays. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. You know what I hope too? I hope people use the opportunity to go explore other Italian neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I know one one person in particular. I give him so much credit, uh, Anthony Scalia, uh, Tony Manja. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I it doesn't look like the pandemic stopped him for five minutes. He was out there yeah. and finding places that you know, and he's been such a, a north star for us to be able to identify so many places in New Jersey. But now I just suggest to people if you can. Go out and support Italian American businesses and go to your church or, you know, any any of these places and try to, you know, spread the love. Don't keep going. My, my whole thing has always been don't just keep going to the same place. Granted, of course, we know some places are better than others. But like a bakery, for example, if you go someplace, don't get all of your stuff in one bakery. Go get the bread in one spot. Go get a cannoli in another spot and a St. Joseph pastry elsewhere. And I think that that's something we can do to be conscientious about preserving all the uh, the places that we love. What's the, what's your criteria for an enclave? What makes an oh, enclave? Oh, you took my you took my question. That's oh, good. I love Were you going to ask that? <laughs> that's a, yeah, I wrote it down. That's the best question ever. And so the, originally it was if there was a church. Mm. And so that's why if you go to our website, the church's section is under construction because we have that's exactly what we're employing all of our, our manpower into. Um, we have a document that was written by the Franciscans in the early 1900s that identified all of the Italian parishes. Now, since then, some were created. And um, but, you know, mostly most of them are in that document and it, and it doesn't name the churches. That's what's so annoying about it. It only says what city and how many uh, Italian churches were in that city. So from there, we have to kind of like figure it out. Mm. There are some dioceses that have a list of their parishes by nationality, and that makes it easier. But most of them didn't. And so we're, we're out there doing that research. But I would say to go back to your question that, you know, it would really start with an Italian church. So if there was an Italian church, that little area would, you know, just most likely be an Italian enclave or um, a mixed a mixed neighborhood. But to be an Italian enclave, I would say you have to have a majority of the people in a s- small radius of Italian descent. And so, some Italian enclaves, right, are so much smaller than others and bigger than others. For example, like Bensonhurst in its heyday could fit like 50 northeastern Pennsylvania Italian neighborhoods in it. And that's just how tremendous it was. So, it, you know, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's something of scale. But to create like, like an enclave, like a small enclave, for example, like Bushwick, you know, there's like a little area between Bushwick and, and Williamsburg. Um, the church there is Our Lady of uh, Pompeii of the Rosary. And that, that area is like just a few blocks. Like, you know, so I would just say concentration of Italian, a cluster of Italian American people or Italian people and Italian businesses and or a church. That would, that would, that's what would come. I wonder if where I grew up could be considered one. Where did you grow up, Dolores? I grew up in Rockland County in, in New York. And uh, it's, it's a little bit upstate in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. 
in a town called Suffren. Um, I mean, I feel like I was, I know I was surrounded by Italians, but it's the thing is, you know, when I think of enclaves and, and certainly when I think about what you're doing, it always seems to be like a, like a, maybe it's not always a city, but it seems like a city neighborhood right. where everyone's really close together. So, right. you know, here, yes, there's a church. I could walk into town. I mean, especially back when I was younger and run into an Italian, run into somebody we knew that was friends with my parents. You know, I grew up like that when I was out, I watched what I did because there were people who would <laughs> right, see me <laughs> and, and go back and tell my parents or, you know, sure. or even like if I was, you know, God forbid, Bruta Figura, you know, somebody saw. But, but we but I wouldn't say like our houses were on top of each other. You know, they're not on top of each other. So I wonder if that's still an enclave. No, you raise you raise such a great point. So the biggest challenge has been identifying the suburban, mm. if you would. Right. Like the suburban enclaves. That's such, such a challenge, especially yeah. in the Midwest and the West Coast. So we have been putting a lot of effort into that. And uh, I think the list that we have on, on our site will reflect that somewhat prematurely because we're not done, but it, you know, it, it gives you a quick glimpse to the fact that, you know, like Tacoma, Washington, and some of the places in the South, like in Arkansas, um, the, these would be along the lines of what you're describing. Right. Because you're not, you're literally not near each other. Like your houses, you're, you're not in apartments that are on top of each other. Right. So you can't, so that's like an interesting, almost philosophical question. Like, you know, what is, what is a cultural sure. enclave? Yeah. Is it, you know, is it distance? Is it proximity? Is it the way it feels like for me feeling like I grew up in an enclave? I'll tell or... you what, there would, there, here's, here's something that I think I wish Pat was here to weigh in on because he's like the expert with this stuff. He's the expert on everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. For the record. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. But um, <laughs> as far as being like, I think it would be the processions mm. and, and, you know, like the feast, they call it feast, but every procession doesn't have a feast, but you know, definitely the feasts and the processions. That's probably the, like another great way of being able to say, Oh, like, yeah. okay. I'll give you an example in New Jersey and Newton. Uh, there's like a little, you know, they have a procession, they have, you know, Italian church up there, but who would know about that? Right. It's like, you know, it's an obscurity to people from the cities, uh, even from Newark, like the person in Newark wouldn't have really most likely an idea that like up North Jersey, like, you know, they call it the sticks that there would be like an Italian neighborhood up there at a tiny, right. you know, same yeah. thing with the upstate ones. So yeah, that's such a great point. But I, I would say, yeah, definitely an indication of it. You know, something we're trying to track too is like the, the feast that used to exist. And that's super hard. So we have, you know, Pat, I know is, is a wealth of knowledge on that. And we have another guy who I'm just trying to get, you know, to sit down and, but, you know, the thing and the thing, the reason why these guys are critical to us is that we know we're, we're almost fully done identifying the neighborhoods. We're almost done identifying the churches. We haven't uploaded the content yet to the website, but it's all all the works there and it will be done. But in the meantime, we don't know where people were from in these neighborhoods. So what towns they came from in Italy, that's the hardest part for us. Sure. And that's just something I, I you know, it's a it's a it's a mind bender for me because I. You know, I don't know where to look it up. And so, like, you have these few people that are, like, experts on this. So they could tell you, like, what town the people in this neighborhood came from. And it's unbelievable. Right. I don't think besides them, there's any other place to reference. Stephanie, you might know. Johnny, you might know. But where would you find out? I was going to pipe up, actually. So for my work here in Scranton and the northeast of Pennsylvania, um, I've actually gone to the parishes 
themselves. And a lot of times in the parish archives, if the priest is kind enough to let you go through the books, I did this at St. Lucy's in Scranton when Father Catone was still alive and I was able to go through it and I was able to find Calabrese last names, Sicilian last names. Um, For St. Rocco's here in Dunmore, that's my family's church. So like that's people from Guardia Lombardy. But then there's other places like St. Francis of Assisi. It's now a closed church in the Diocese of Scranton. You were able to find out that that was a bunch of people from Calabria. So if you're able to go through the parish records, if the priest is willing to let you go, some priests today won't let you go because of privacy concerns, even though these are like hundreds of years old, you're actually able to find out this information and you're able to see some of the last names. Mm. Or sometimes if you're really lucky, they might actually have it in the parish records. I've seen that a couple of times when I've looked through the records at St. Rocco's here in Dunmore. I've actually seen it say like di guardia so from guardia lombardy like ah, you could actually okay. see like where these people were from and they just have it like notated in the margins they did it, that at saint lucy's for my grandmother's birth record it actually has wow. nicastro in the side she was born in Nica- um, her family was from nicastro calabria so her parents the mascaros it says di nicastro so sometimes you might find that that's a great point we were we were together the other night having a conversation the uh, St. Rocco boys and when we get together once a month for our, our dinner we always have like the same conversation over and over you know like mm-hmm. but it's it's always a great conversation and otherwise we wouldn't have it over right so, right <laughs> one of the conversations was like you know where do how do you figure out where everyone came from and so yeah. on and so on and uh it, it was like good luck you know like that was the takeaway <laughs> Go, go get the church records. Yeah. I'm serious. If you're able to get a priest who's nice enough to let you look at them, some of them are like, no, we don't want you anywhere near our stuff. Oh, and other yeah. ones are super nice about it. Depends John, on the year. John, let me ask you this. And I'm directing it to John because, we're, you know, we're both like, uh, as you know, really New York guys right now, but um, like city guy. John, did you ever hear of a church in Manhattan? I believe it was. Oh, yeah, it was definitely St. Sebastian. Where, where is it? It was, it was in Kipps Bay. Like no, it was on, I believe 20 something street, like second Avenue. No. The reason I asked is just to illustrate a point, which is that I didn't know about it either. And it was an Italian national parish. And it was one of 16 that were on Manhattan Island over the years of the diaspora. And so like one of the funny things we were mentioning was like, all right, there were different waves of Italians, immigrants. There were a lot of, you know, that came in the late 1800s and 19, World War One, World War Two, and then the 60s and 80s. They kept coming. But this church in particular came and went. It lasted for a little over 50 years. And what's mind blowing to me is that a church could come and a church for us, of course, is such an important institution in our lives. Right. It's a family member. And a person could have gotten baptized there, received all their sacraments, been married there, and who knows, you know, passed away there. But in a whole lifetime, almost, a church came and went. And it was one of the most significant buildings to so many people that belong to the parish. And that's one of the most mind-blowing things to us is that this is, that's not the only parish in Manhattan that was built that had a long life or, or a relatively short life and, and then was demolished. So it's, it's unbelievable. And that's one of the things that makes our research so difficult is that neighborhoods have been utterly destroyed. I have a book in my uh, archives. I, I found it and I was hoping to be able to see you soon because I'm going to give you a copy. I have two of them. It's out of print. And it's about the church. Well, it's about the Italian neighborhoods of Chicago. 
in the, in the context of the book was written, I guess, to kind of illustrate how voting blocks were being manipulated in Chicago at the time. But uh, it's fascinating because it actually gets really granular as to like the street names and, and, and the, and the uh, intersections of Italian neighborhoods that were once there, but no longer are there on city maps because those, those whole areas were leveled or raised to build something else. You know, and that happens a lot. I mean, there's so many Italian neighborhoods across the country. We were in Los Angeles filming for greetings, and we were at one of the Italian parishes with Mariana Gatto from the Italian American Museum. And she basically took us out of the church onto a massive freeway. I mean, we're kind of dug out below us. And she said, Well, this was a massive Italian enclave. And uh, when they ran the freeway through, the only thing that's left is this church. And it used to be this, you know, gigantic. I think it was a Pugliese neighborhood, and uh, wow. it's just, you know, gone. And, and that's that's part of what I love about all the work that all of us do around this stuff because, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff, and, and Ray, you and I are both uh, collectors of, of items, I know, and sometimes we exchange what we find and things like that. And I, my wife thinks I'm crazy because there'll be nights where I'm on my computer in bed with one side will be eBay and the other side will be Google Maps. And what I'll do is basically... You know, whenever I find like a an Italian mutual aid society ribbon or a matchbook from a restaurant or any of these kind of like little material cultures, then I'll go to the map and I'll put in the town, you know, whatever suburban town or, or urban town or whatever the society might be, a uh, restaurant, whatever it is. And I'll sort of start by zooming in really small and then zooming out, out, out and trying to find whatever Italian stuff I can. Because to me, that's the sort of residual fingerprint of an Italian yep. neighborhood, right? If there was enough people to have a society right. or, or, you know, there's a restaurant of a certain age, you know, when, when Italian restaurants started, primarily they were serving Italians. So there had to be Italians there. And so that's, I do that on a regular basis. And Me it too. speaks to, Delor- to Dolores's point, you know, like we, we have this urban sense, this East Coast urban mentality of what an Italian American place is. But in truth, there are places like, um, Tontytown, Arkansas, Krebs, Oklahoma, and, you know, founded by fully Italian towns. I mean, I I think uh, I found a list recently that that analyzes the last census by ethnic group. And so I would, it was very difficult to navigate around this website, but eventually I got my way to every state and it would rank by the percentage of Italians in each town. And some towns were, you know, 80% Italian, but the population was 200, you know? Right. And, and I... I love the fact that you can seek out and find. That's why I always eat at what I call red sauce joints because they may not be the best anymore. Sometimes, frankly, the places aren't that great, but they're the residual impact and the residual material of a of an Italian enclave. I love it. it's like time travel for me, like like living artifacts. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, they are. They're like living uh, fossils, like those fish that come out of the depths of the ocean that haven't changed since prehistoric times. You know that that's kind of what we're experiencing in these places it's really funny that you mentioned that it's just so hard for me to uh not go down these rabbit holes and then when i do i just like you i i kind of i'm challenged with being able to remember where i read it and and so like i have to stop myself because i get carried away and as you know when you go into these rabbit holes with this obsession of ours you know it's hard to it's hard to put the blinders on it's hard to hit the brakes and the next thing you know, it's like, so I try to bookmark or tab as much as I can and, and paste like into my notes on my iPhone, like the link. So I, I've been scatterbrained like this now for years. And, and it's just the job in and of itself and organizing this stuff. And, but it's amazing because, you, you know, when you're doing it, you don't think anyone else really shares the interest. 
And that's another reason why social media has been so robust for all of us in that people will reach out after you'll make a post and that, you know, they'll come out of like some obscure place and, you know, and, and they'll say, Hey, I'm from there and they'll send you photos. So that's part of what we've been building on the back end, you know, without putting it up, up front on, onto social media just yet. Um, because that stuff is just like so voluminous. We've got so much of it and it's just hard to, to sift through it all and then label and put captions. So, it's, it's, it's probably a lifelong work. I'll, I'll be doing this, God willing, you know, until my, my last breath because it's so, so fun and interesting. But it probably will take me 50 more years. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm going to give you a suggestion. So sure. when you're doing something like that, because I ended up in the same position that you are. So my life's dream is to write the definitive book about the Italians in Pennsylvania. And if Pat was on this call, he would be making fun of me right now. And I wish that he could. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. because I have so much information on it and because I'm like you and John and Dolores, when I'm online and I'm finding these things, I'm bookmarking and trying to make sure... Because we have like Google spreadsheets now where we have like our own cloud, I just started dumping things into my own Google spreadsheet because I thought if I ever lose this, I am in so much trouble. So at least it's in a cloud. So do that. Yep. You could save these things. And what you're doing is saving these things. And I yeah. think it's just so amazing and just great. Like you've done a huge service. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Yeah. And, and any insights you give me, believe me, I take copious notes because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> And it's Thank about you. all you guys. Know, um, it's 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 enlightening to be able to uh, sit with you guys and and chat. And you know what? The only thing I regret is we're not together right now, having some espresso and pastries. But uh, that's we're overdue for that, by the way. Soon, but that's yeah. the truth. You know? Soon. And uh, it's it's really cool because um, we uh, we we want to since this is a website ultimately. I mean, even though it's a society and it's a nonprofit, I mean, we're raising the money to create a um, an exhibit. It's an exhibit. It's it's a living exhibit because it's constantly has more content being added to it. So it's a major exhibit that we hope is going to, you know, serve people really well. Not today, maybe not today, but five, 10, 20 years from right. now, students and, and our kids and our kids, kids. And hopefully, God willing, that's the, that's the game plan. And, and they can utilize it as a way to learn who they are, and where they're from. That's how we feel about the show. Just, Same thing. Yeah, well, yeah. your show and your show, guys, by the way, is the it's it's the um, it's the gold standard. It's the gold standard for Italian American culture right now. Thank you. Yeah, you guys Thank did you. one hell of a job, and you stuck with it. And I, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by the progress and, and everything you guys have done. And just keep doing it. Don't stop, please, because you have no <laughs> idea how many people need you. Hey, you get, you, you get people through blue days, boring moments, mm. tough times when they listen to you guys, and although even the shenanigans are, you know, particularly great sometimes. Yeah, people so. seem to like them. <laughs> yeah. It's like the louder we get, the more they like it. It's weird. Yeah, you know, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> we appreciate that, though, right? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, please, of course. Well, I give credit where credit's due. All of this work is absolutely fundamental, and I do think what I notice about our audience, and I think it's you know an audience that we share with Italian enclaves, people that are interested in our show or interested in what you're doing, and I'm so pleased when I see people who are on this um sort of quest of self-discovery because, you know, it's such a changing world and you can dip your toe into all kinds of different things and you can be transported to a different world just via your phone. But it's nice to go back and look at the authentic roots that you've you've come from. And I think people uh, living in this world that's very sort of option-based, they do start to desire and, and crave that. And so I find a lot of people who are, 
learning from the stuff that we do. And that's really obviously uh, what this show and Italian Enclaves are all about, is, is the opportunity for people to learn, to give them that information, that lead. And, you know, like you said, you're digging through, trying to figure out which parishes were Italian because nobody listed them back then. And in perpetuity from here on out, anybody who's coming to a quest will have that resource that you created as a much greater starting point than you had. And I think that that's why all of us do this work to create that higher starting point for people to to begin this journey, you know, great point. Great point. And you know, it's funny too. I am sure we've all faced it in our lives, no matter what the venue was or whatever the, uh, the objective was. Some people are in our culture, inherently negative, right? I don't know if, that makes some does, people. Does that resonate a little bit? So, I would say I I would I would say some people in our culture are shockingly positive. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way, way I would describe it. it. So there, yeah. so there's been a lot of um you know like like of of like you know older people you know and it has nothing to do with age but just the people that I looked up to uh, from our community to get some uh, some suggestions from. I remember a couple of people in particularly said to me, "It's impossible." You can't do that. You can't. Yeah. You can't figure out every Italian. There's been so many. You're wasting your time. Like really. Like so. We. You know. With that, I use that kind of as a motivation every now and then to stoke the fire to say, all right. You know, it's people who said I can't do this. Well, let's accomplish it. Let's right. do it. Mm-hmm. So you know, yes. I'm an American. I'm not an American. You know, however corny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah. So you know, that's that's something that was amazing to me. Is like I would figure that people who are a little longer in the tooth, to put it nicely, are are going to be more you know, keen on in, inspiring younger folks like us to carry the torch and do that work to set that higher, um, you know, threshold for everybody. But um, it, it's actually, it, it, the majority of the people are positive and they appreciate it and they're grateful. But one of the things I have to say is that technology moves so quickly that creating the website, it was, like I had said before, pretty naive of me to think we'd accomplish it rapidly it's something that takes forever and we're going to do it and we're going to come out the other end successful but then what's next so one of the things we were discussing was in the changing world we're in being that we have the 501c3 uh, nonprofit status to leverage it to be able to permeate everything we're doing into another venue or another realm so that if the internet goes the way of the dodo bird or becomes like the the flip phone and no one uses the internet anymore and everyone's now in the metaverse are we going to take all our work that we put you all of us italian podcast italian american podcast the italian is that all going to be for not and how do you transpose it and is it transposable can you can you take that information and create a, a like kind archive in the metaverse or is the metaverse just some concept that's going to be a bubble and come and go we don't know so we want to prepare for that um, accordingly by being able to uh you know create a and this is this is really ambitious and we're not near where we need to be in terms of putting a plan together on paper yet but the conversation has been really positive and some of the people who are in our in our orbit you know, in, in part of organization right now have the actual wherewithal to do it we want to be able to create an exhibit for Italian enclaves in the metaverse. I know it sounds absolutely nuts right now, but that's one of our end game goals in the, in the near terms to start taking this project underway once we're done with the archive. So I think uh, everyone should be thinking along those lines right now on some level. And uh, if it winds up being nothing, it's nothing. And you know what? You learn something new about technology. But if it does become something, then we're going to be ahead of the curve and we're not going to see our history erased. 
Okay, we're, we're not going to see our history fall through the cracks. I would usually preface this by saying, for those in the audience who don't know, when we talk about an Italian topic, but f- because I don't know, I will I will be completely transparent and say, explain to there are the audience and and me what that looks like. What does a metaverse project look like? <laughs> so I, I, I'm still learning about it. You know, I'm in the early stages of of self uh, uh, self educating, I guess you could say. But one of the things, all right, the, the way I envision it is this: we just got an Oculus set. Right. Like the uh, the Oculus. Um, my son plays a couple of games in the Oculus and it's kind of cool. You put on the headset, you're in this 3D world. So the way we envision it is that you can potentially, um, you know, we, we, we can create a world that is like an Italian neighborhood with some of your old iconic businesses and, and some of the places that have not been around for 50 years that but everyone still talks about to be able to to recreate that scene or that place in the metaverse since you know you don't have any sort of physical limitations so that's that's where we see this is amazing Mm -mm. that's that's (laughs) where we see it going and and believe me we are we'll tell you right now we are incorporating we incorporate everyone that could that could help towards this so we are not the kind of society or group to say oh we don't want this guy we don't get we'll take anyone into this that's a good person that's genuinely hardworking, that wants to that has a sincere uh, uh, interest in seeing this happen and we will make it happen. However, we have to, we are pretty confident. I'm confident we can do it. Um, so that's really where we want to focus once we're done with the website. And that's kind of recreating Italian neighborhoods in the metaverse. And it's going to take money. It's going to take time, but we have both. And um, you know, we're going to make it happen. That's wild. It is. It is yeah. wild. Right. <laughs> and it, you know, I, I, it's for me, even learning how to, put the podcast together has been a massive leap in my technological savvy. So I honestly couldn't even fathom where to yeah. begin, but I will say as somebody who is passionate about history, you know, the, the closer we can get to those experiences and the opportunity to transport yourself, it is a good use of technology. It's the, it's the right use of this technology to give people those opportunities. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful to see, a mind like yours and a passion like yours, Ray, you know, focused on these things because people do crave that. That's, you know, that's what this is all about. People are are very much looking forward to the opportunities to engage on deeper and deeper levels with culture. And uh, if they can do it with the Oculus, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Right. I'm salivating over here. I want to be a part of this so badly Mm -hmm. because as John and Dolores know, once you get me onto a digital universe topic about anything Italian American, I'm just like ready to go for hours discussing it. I mean, how many yeah. times have I John to sleep on the phone? Probably <laughs> <laughs> my latest wacky idea in the Italian American digital. Just universe. three way me <laughs> in, John. Next time that happens, and I'll, you guys. I, I was a, <laughs> like a tag team in wrestling. I'll just tag you, and I'll stay in the corner. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring me it. in, Ray. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm much more the quill and ink type than the uh, digital. The mm-hmm. Oculus, uh, yeah, meta. Yeah. Oh, John, you and you and I both, and that's the thing. It's like this is a huge leap, but it's possible. And and where it's possible, it would be, in my opinion, you know, it'd be sad not to try at yeah. least. But you know, imagine just, just imagine it. I mean, have you used the Oculus yet? Uh, any of these these um? No, I, I virtual reality. No, 
No. No. Okay. I have. I still have an iPhone six. <laughs> so I have. A, that's the the extent of my technology. I have a new iPad though. That's like my big. You know, the fact that I can use an Apple pencil is shocks me. So <laughs> I've yeah, used the VR glasses. The... I've used the VR glasses where you could do some of the things like go on a tour. Like I've been in Rome in my room. Let me tell you guys, it's it's this generation and their kids. Yeah. That are going to be right. picking up these things for us and and, mm-hmm. and running with them. So yeah, we've got to do our very best to, to at least give them, you know, a ball to run with at the very least, right? So mm-hmm. you know, it's absolutely that's the idea. That's what real community leadership is. It's not about you know building the structures for yourself. It's about building them for the next generation. I, that, that's that's the frustration I've always had. Yeah. Like you say, when people say, "Ah, oh, this is dying" or "this group is dying," it's like, yeah, it's dying because you want young people to participate, but you don't want to give them the offerings that they are looking for. You want them to be looking for what you like and that doesn't work, you know, and you know, Stephanie and I run a, the, the youth committee for the um, Italian American summits. And I say all the time, I'm too old to run a youth committee now. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I'm the youngest person in this, maybe in this meeting and uh, not, not this meeting in a, in any meeting. I was going to say, you know, Hey, watch it. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I, let, let me, let me, let me start that again. <laughs> You know, in the meetings that I'm participating in, but that doesn't at qualify summits, me as a youth. Means- at these summits, yeah, we, the, we these summits need 20 year olds now. You know what I mean? They yeah. need they need people right. in their 20s and they mm-hmm. need people in their early 30s. And you know that that's what this is about. So if you can build the the arc in the ways that they communicate and participate, that's a phenomenal contribution and legacy to leave. Even if it's you know somebody like me can work on it, but maybe not understand it and, and engage it the same way, but you're doing it for younger kids. You're doing it for the younger generations. Oh, John, you nailed it. And and as we're talking and we mentioned Oculus, I get one of those little notifications at the top of my screen from Oculus. They're listening to this whole conversation, guys. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't Zoom a Chinese technology? I thought, of course, everybody's listening to this right now. There you go. So we, we probably don't have to upload it. Uh, but now, okay, we've gone way into this metaverse, but before we go, I want to ask you about the universe outside, the the, the universe that we participate in, and uh, you guys all know I'm, you know, I'll, anywhere that's old, I'll go to and try it. I'll eat, I'll shop, I'll do whatever. So you've been traveling all over the country. You're taking pictures everywhere. Do you have a favorite spot? Oh. The best meal you've eaten? Do you have a favorite spot yes. you've been, the people, the food, the what? I'll tell you what, John. You probably do know better than me because I, I have to say, I um, if I had to guess anyone out there, who has been to as many, if not more Italian neighborhoods than me, it would be you. Uh, this is a tough one. I'm on the spot right now. I don't want to let anyone out there down because I know you have tons of listeners. Yeah, you're so putting, him in, putting that, him in the crosshairs too. I mean, yeah. this is journalism. I, I already was in the crosshairs. But I am going to be diplomatic about this and say in the West Coast so far, my experience was North Beach being, you know, the best Italian neighbor I've, I've been to out in the West Coast. In the East Coast, I'm going to have to say it's Boston. And in the Midwest, I'd have to say it's Cleveland. Hmm, yeah. Murray Hill, you know. That makes sense. Yep. So I hope I was diplomatic to everyone else. You're very diplomatic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Then I'll ask, then let me ask you this one before we go. What was the most surprising place you found in Italian Enclave? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, You know, I'm going to have to say through the research, not that I've been to, but Mm -hmm. um, Garlic Gulch in um in seattle Seattle. yeah i mean not not i mean just it's like really up there like it's really (laughs) i went i flew to seattle and and i gotta say it was just like 
it's it's um, not a place you would expect Italian people to really thrive. If that yeah, makes sense. That's true. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's to me. That's the great joy of any of this stuff. That's why I do what I do because the fact that you can, as, you know, Pat and I were driving to Cleveland not that long ago for meetings and met Stephanie out there, and uh, I needed a bathroom break, and we pulled over in uh, Centersville, Pennsylvania, somewhere. <laughs> I mean, totally random. Pulled off the highway and uh, got to use the restroom, and on the way back. We saw a red, white, and green sign, and we said, okay, it's either a taco truck or an Italian place. Let's, <laughs> let's make make a detour. And sure enough, it was a you know 1930s business, family-owned, making sausage, swore up and down, best sausage on the planet. And, you know, here this guy was keeping it going in the middle of, you know, nowhere Pennsylvania with all due respect to Centersville or whatever. Right. Centersburg? Yeah, Centersville. And Centersville. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. That's, that's, that's the joy of mm-hmm. all this, that we are, like they say, we are the parsley and the salad. We're all over this country and <laughs> wherever there's that's two or more families, you know, there's, there's a chance that something's left. So that's, I love that search. And I, I know I admire how you do it. And I, and I look up to how you do it. Oh, thanks, John. And likewise, I got to say, you guys have such devotion and the amount of, uh, uh, I, I'd say the amount of followers that you have is just a testament to that. Uh, and it's, I know it's just going to keep growing and growing and you guys are doing a great job. Please don't stop. And, um, Thank you so much again for having me on, especially at night. You know, I know it's hard to fight back the yawns. We have kids. We have dogs running around. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. But it's it's easy when it's friends. Yeah. It definitely is. Sure. It's easy to get together. For sure. Spend an evening catching up. And, uh, yeah, we're all a part of an ecosystem that it seems like there's a growing audience for. So I hope everybody out there will check out our show notes on our show page, support what Ray's doing, become involved in the Historical Society, get the book. I, I'm do my best impersonation of Pat and say, get the book. Get the, get the book. Uh, it's about the extent of how I can do it. And uh, and really, you know, any leads, any tips and, and help us to reveal what's out there because there's so much to be enjoyed and uh, and discovered. So that's what this platform is all about. That's what Ray's platform is all about. And we really do hope everybody out there participates. So this has been a great opportunity to catch up with friends. It's always a lot of fun. Check out what Ray's working on. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. You want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano, and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano, 